Welcome to the Faith Church Peshtigo podcast. You can connect with us online at faithpeshtigo.com. We're also on Facebook. Just search for Faith Church Peshtigo. Today's podcast features a conversation between Pastor Jay and Pastor Jeff talking about the sermon from September 5th, 2021. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Faith Church podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jay Williams, and joining me today is Jeffrey Clossy. Wow, you use Jeffrey. Yeah. It's R-E-Y, not E-R-Y. Sometimes people say Jeffrey, but Jeffrey. Thanks, Jay. Wait a second. It's good you to be with you today. R-E-Y at the end of Jeffrey? That's how it's supposed to be spelled, but sometimes people mess that Jeffrey? up. Jeffrey? Yep. Jeffrey Cochisi. Hello, everybody. Cochisi. Remember, that's your rap name. That's like your DJ. DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yeah, but DJ Jazzy Jeff is taken. I think you're DJ Cochisi. Okay. It's classy. Thank you. Yeah, but it's spelled Cochisi, which is why I think it's a good name. Anyway, not the point. Fromage. Hey, we are. You are uh, joining me today, which is great. Uh, I got to. I got to rejoin Robbie last week, and so after a few weeks of just you and Robbie hanging out, and uh, I was telling Robbie that it was just so. You guys are just so helpful. <laughs> I feel like when I come on the podcast, it becomes less so. Well, Jay. I guess it depends on who you ask. I, I think it's wonderful when you're on the podcast. Well, that's so kind. You <laughs> hesitated quite a bit there. Hey, you had, um, we have a, actually, we have a double helpful. So sometimes people comment that there's a lot of wasted time. At don't fast forward yet. Yeah, don't fast forward yet. If you're the one that that fast forwards through the nonsense that is like our warm up time, um, don't do it today because today we have helpful stuff in the nonsense. So you had a little bit of excitement at your house um, here in the last couple of days. Yes. Yeah, so we have a nearly five-month-old puppy at our house who's awesome named Augie. And Augie lunged for and got a hold of a grape. This is the very helpful part. If you did not know that grapes can be toxic to dogs, you now do. So don't let your dog have grapes or raisins so we had to take augie down because it was you know labor day monday uh to the emergency animal hospital in green bay and they treated him and he is so far doing really well and we think he's going to be just fine but actually dogs even to have like a handful of grapes or raisins can die they end up getting kidney failure from it which i did not know that i'd had dogs my whole life and many people i've talked to since this happened on monday i found out who also love dogs didn't know that like everyone seems to know dogs and chocolate don't mix that right. seems common but dogs and grapes also do not mix and it uh, eventually like i said causes kidney failure so thankfully for augie they were able to treat him and um yeah it was kind of a long day but now you all know and that's a helpful thing that to know i wish someone had told helpful. me earlier so i could have been more protective of grapes around him yeah so so here's the rest of the story while while you were telling us this I made the comment because my household is a cat household, mm-hmm. not a dog household. Not because I'm anti-dog. I love dogs. But my wife grew up in a cat household. I grew up in a no pet, a strict no pet household. And so when we got married, it was like, all right, well, I kind of wanted a dog, but I didn't really know what that meant. And so Lauren won and we got cats. Um, yes, plural, cats. Uh, but two awesome cats. I mean, two, yes. I love your cats. I mean, we had two awesome cats before, and then they both passed away, and then we replaced them with a little brother and sister duo, and they're great. 
But here's the thing. When you're telling me this, I made the comment of this is why cats are better than dogs, because cats are smarter than to eat things that can kill them. That's right. You did say that. I did say that. I kind of forgot about it. So so I go home and um, we have a problem. Our cat um, ate some kind of string or floss or some dental floss or something that got in the garbage and ate it. And it turns out that for cats, that's incredibly dangerous oh because it can go through their whole system and it can wrap around their intestine and it can, it actually, it can cut everything. It can cause all kinds of internal bleeding. It's, it's terrible. And so you have to, and we discovered it because oh, no. it was, it was dangling from one of his openings. I'll let you decide which opening that it was dangling from. Let's just say it wasn't early in the process. We'll say that. Uh huh. All right. You can. You can determine where it was dangling. And so we got some of it out, but then the rest of it you can't because you don't want to lacerate anything. So you have to oh. wait for them to pass it and you have to watch them. And so it's just funny to <laughs> that after bragging about how awesome cats are and how they're not so dumb that they would eat something that would kill them, I go directly home and find out that my cat just ate something that could kill him. Oh, my. So, But uh, I just actually got a message that uh, there is no longer... Okay. A string dangling so that we are thinking that it must have passed. Yes. But, um, anyway, this is probably more than people. Uh, so now. So my what do you do is, for a cat then? I mean, there's going to be strings in your house. Well, you got to put them away. I guess. You got to make sure you throw away anyone that owns cats. You got to make sure that you bury that dental floss. Yeah. Um, and then and then like crafts, arts and crafts stuff. Like we have to make sure that all that gets, you know, it's got to all get put away because. Oh, they just there's something about it. they like to gnaw on those kinds of things. But um, yeah, it can be really dangerous for them. Um, so here's my question, though, for the for the audience who is listening. Those of you who typically fast forward through the banter, but did not based on Jeff's recommendation. Do you regret it at this point? <laughs> That's the question. Really. Well, they, there's a number of things they could regret. Well, there is a, there are a number of things. Just downloading the podcast and that's the first point. I here's the thing though. I I feel like we just gave life saving counsel for cat and dog owners. Yes. So now if we could just get you to, you could I don't know if your bunny has gone through any kind of mm, issues. No, our bunnies know. have been pretty healthy. Um, I can also say, hey, don't let your chickens run out into the road. We've learned that <laughs> the hard way. So oh there's. I'm trying to think of any other pet PSAs we can give right now. But for now, no grapes to dogs, which is kind of a bummer because I would naturally think that's like one of the most fun yeah. foods to give a dog. And it just doesn't, it's not, that's, that's very counterintuitive, yeah. which is why it's worth yeah, saying. Tossing them up for yeah. uh, raisin. Now, that's horrible. Chocolate and raisin in one. Yeah. Just keep oh, those gosh. away. So what about um, peanut butter on the nose? Uh, I think that's okay. That's but okay. I would just, if you have a dog, Google it. We Googled it now. We have a list. That's one true. of our kids Don't. wrote on our our fridge door, and that was very helpful. Yeah. But most of the things, if you're, you've been around dogs, you probably know, but definitely didn't know grapes. Yeah, like razor blades. Yeah. Don't, Don't, let, eat, don't let them eat that. No, no, no. Okay, great. Well, let's move on because... To uh, Psalm 58. Psalm 58, which was a doozy, that psalm. Um, the justice of God. Yeah, the justice of God. So, okay. yeah, I don't know if you, as you were contemplating it i always i always wonder um sometimes i say things and i kind of get to give a quick glance to you or to robbie just to see like i wonder if 
I wonder, I wonder what they think <laughs> about that. So far, we've never had something where you like stormed out or anything. But um, but this is one of those, you know, in the preparation for it, these are definitely challenging passages because when you're talking about the justice of God, that can quickly go off the rails because mm-hmm. um, it can become it can become like what I want to see justice in, or or it can it just can be used as kind of a diving board off into all kinds of issues. And I, I tried to stick to the Psalm and, and kind of honor, I mean, obviously like we try to do always in scripture, we want to honor what, uh, what the author is saying and what the Holy spirit is saying through them. Not only honor that, but be faithful to that. And so I'm curious, this is one of those that like often we ask the question of, were there things that you had to leave out and, and, with a passage like this, like, yeah, tons of things, mm. like all kinds of things. And it would be too much for a, a podcast. So I'm curious if you, if you would uh, steer that ship a little bit, like what were some of the things mm-hmm. that you stood out to you or that um, you well, have thoughts on? One of them, I mean, you just kind of mentioned it uh, slightly, but when we jump and we look at the justice of God, because of our brokenness, we are overconfident that we know what is just and right, especially uh, when it comes to people or situations or organizations or whatever that we would say are outside of our camp. So people that we disagree with, unfortunately, we have this broken human tendency to find fault with them and to um, see evil in them very easily without much work. On the other side of that coin, when it comes to people who are close to us or who we agree with, who you said, like who are inside of our camp, we turn a blind eye, whether I think sometimes we do that very intentionally, we just look the other way, but sometimes we're just not even aware enough to see it. We're blind to our own stuff within our own camp. And I felt like that was a main point you made um, at the beginning of the sermon. And I thought it was a really important one. You used the illustration of like an armchair quarterback, you know, you're watching the football game and you think, you know, what the coach should have done. And we do that about people in our lives and people that especially we disagree with. We think we should know, we know what they should be doing and what is just. But I feel like that was a huge point, especially for the environment and climate that we find ourselves in with this pandemic and political upheaval and just unstable things happening in the world. So I guess one of the questions that came to my mind that I'd love to flesh out with you, Jay, is how how can we be more in tune with or what are some of the camps that we need to be aware of? Like for people listening to this, if you think, yeah, that's true. I am often looking at other camps and, you know, kind of finding evil in them, but what about my own camp? Right. What are those camps? Like what comes to your mind? What were you thinking of when you were preaching? Um, I mean, I was really thinking about all kinds of things. And so, you know, first I think about, yeah, that armchair quarterback, illustration is just so it's so critical for us to just be aware so i think whenever you're starting with these things is just have an awareness that um that i am not the um world's foremost expert in everything and i have not like i i used to laugh at how um you know for people who are more mechanically minded um and and handy so so like i'm not super handy I can do things. I can watch a YouTube video and do it, but I'm not into, it's not intuitive to me. Like there are people who just understand how things work. They can break it down. They can build it back up. They like to do that. That's not me. 
And so when I go into situations, like when I'm dealing with something that's been designed, like an engineer has designed something, my assumption is like, well, they knew better than me. Like it's probably user error. But what's always been funny to me is when I've been around friends and family who are more mechanically gifted and handy, the number of times they criticize the engineers or the designers of the product of whatever they're doing, like, well, you know, dumb engineers, why they do this? And why did they, you know, and it always makes me laugh because I'm thinking like, well, they probably did that after thousands of hours of research and feedback. And, and the solution that you see actually opens up, you know, 50 other problems that you didn't see. And so some of it, this is part of just that humility. Like I just want to approach all things in humility and know that I don't understand everything completely. I don't see everything rightly. I certainly don't understand, um, like you mentioned the pandemic, I certainly mm -hmm. don't understand all of the intricacies of the pandemic and its effects on the global economy and mental health and all of that by reading the headline of two articles. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, I we just gotta be mindful of that. And I, I use that, I know it sounds ridiculous, but that is kind of how we function. We just. We just ultimately, at the end of the day, think that we are far more reasonable than we are. Hmm. We don't realize the depths to which sin affects our thoughts and our emotions. And, you know, when people say, for example, like, well, you just have to look at the facts and, you know, your like feelings aren't facts or whatever. And I'm thinking like, well, yeah, but your, your and my understanding of facts are also flawed. Like everything, like sin infects everything. And so even stating a fact is not bulletproof or ironclad because um, because my interpretation of things and the way it, then it makes me feel and the conclusions I draw from that fact and what I think should be done about those things like it all plays into it so so that's um, that's one thing that I would just point out is is this all takes a posture of humility if we don't start there then none of this really matters yeah, starting with I could be mistaken I right. could be, I could be mistaken yeah wrong and you know the challenge i think this year for so many of us is that it's it's actually pretty easy i think to find like you mentioned this engineer who you know designed this thing we could find things that have been designed improperly right of course so that's the hard part is that right. there are people who are experts and then they get something wrong and i think in my heart what i've had to do is just say yeah that happens and i also do that doesn't mean everything i say is wrong it doesn't mean that I just say, well, if they got this wrong, so then everything they say is wrong. I just think that right. that goes with that humility is that because we're talking about humans, they can make mistakes. Yes, they can, but so can I. Right. That's the part that I think we, as followers of Jesus, need to keep reminding ourselves. Yes, people make mistakes, and I'm one of those people. Yes. <laughs> it's like over yeah. and over again. That's a good Does point. Does that make sense? Yeah, <laughs> and well, and the good point, like one of the things you said that I think is is simplistically profound um oh good yeah it's <laughs> is that we tend to yeah people are still gonna make mistakes so even the best engineer in the world is going to make a mistake in the design of the product but then that doesn't mean that they made a mistake in every part of the product no doesn't exactly. mean the whole thing's about that'd be like saying to a, a football coach who makes one bad call that then that means he is you know worthless as a football coach is a terrible coach no, and here mean, are my notes for how you can do better. right. And here are my notes. So obviously that means you're wrong in all of these things. That is really critical. But again, that's that's humility. That's being slow to to process. Um, so you so back to your question. You asked like what camps were going through my mind, and I really was thinking about a lot of different things. Honestly, um, 
I, I should say honestly. So it's funny, like, well, when you say honestly, it makes you feel like sometimes you're being dishonest. I should, uh, frankly, how about that? Yes. Say, frankly, the thing that was in my mind when I was writing that was that we are, we've recently been listening to a podcast about the rise and fall of Mars Hill out in Seattle. And, um, and Mark Driscoll, who was a very loud voice um, in, in every way in the um, young, restless, reformed movement. And if, and if that doesn't mean anything to you, that is totally fine. You're not alone. But the point is that this was the, um, that he is a leader in a theological camp that I have been strongly influenced by and have seen myself a part of. And in listening to that podcast, I was just struck by so many different things, but one of them is how easy it is. Like when, when we see a, a prosperity gospel preacher, let's just take that as an example. This is the podcast. I can be a little more blunt. Um, if, when I see a prosperity gospel preacher um, fall, like my inclination is thinking, well, that's, that's what happens when you have bad theology. Hmm. That's what happens when you're, you know, it's this, when we see people in a different camp, fall we there's a rejoicing a lot of times that happens there's kind of almost like an i told you so and like that's the problem not realizing like well that also happens here and and so listening to that podcast made me think like well what 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 would have protected what would have guarded in that what could have been helpful and the thing that just kept coming up over and over again was he had plenty of critics from outside of his camp but nobody in his camp was saying anything or it was kind of dismissed. It was just, it was downplayed or people who did say something were gotten rid of very quickly. And so, um, so that's what was going through my mind. I think there are people because of some of the issues we've talked about that they would immediately think like, well, you're talking about political right. camps. Um, that's not actually where I started now. Political camps is a, also another thing that we have philosophies. Um, we have, we all have political philosophies and, most people in our country then ascribe to one of two the two main parties and what's interesting even about that is that you by definition you just kind of you put yourself in the camp that you agree with most but but we've always held and understood that we don't agree with everything like that's never i i feel like recently that has become more of a thing like you to be in this camp you have to agree with everything you have to buy into everything and I feel like we've kind of lost um, some of that. So I would I would say um, political camp. I would say theological camps. I would say denominational camps. So that certainly can be a thing, like Baptist, Lutheran, Catholic, like these different things where you you see us versus them. I would say family camps. Um, you know, you can you can be in a situation where it's like us against the world. It's it's my my family and um, and and there's. Look, there's a healthy thing to being supportive of people in your camp. Like that's a that can be that's a healthy thing too. But um, this this was really going to the whole idea of if I want to see the justice of God be brought, like I need to understand that that He is the righteous judge, and um, and then listen to David's pleas as he's kind of calling out his former friends of like, are you are you seeing this correctly? And we want to be people who see things correctly. And we need to understand as Christians that only happens in the Holy Spirit. So, um, so sorry that that so there there's the answer. Like it could be any of those camps. I'm trying to think if there are other ones that national. Um, oh, national. Would be one. Yes, you know, for sure. For us, 
followers of Jesus, citizens in the kingdom of heaven, right? And I think it can be so easy to to misplace that, like where we are, where we belong, and think that that is just this nation. Right. Um, and again, we're just trying to call out that our tendency is to find fault with those outside and to miss the fault within. And that's dangerous. And we're called as followers of Jesus to die to ourselves daily, like to die to ourself, to die to our own ways and our own preferences in, in favor of his, which will actually be life-giving. And the reason this is so important to talk about is it's not natural. It's unnatural to want to look within and to want to look within your camp and be like, I think the word is courage. You have to have courage to speak right. out when you see evil there. Right. And we are better able to speak within than we are without to those evils. Yes. Often what happens, right, is that we're speaking outside. So if you're on the right, you speak against the left. If you're on the left, you speak against the right. Yep. What we're saying is, what about look within? Because we know there's evil in all places that needs to be dealt with and overcome with good. I'm so thankful you quoted that Romans passage that do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And we need to do that primarily in our own hearts. And then we just kind of move out right from there to the spheres that are closest to us. And that's just the hardest places to do it though. It's so much easier to lob the stones over the wall. It is, and we're in a culture right now that makes it even harder. So it is, like I think in every, I would say in every camp. So all the different types of camps we just mentioned um, and across all of those, I have seen this mentality of if you if you disagree or if you challenge something, that means you're not with us, that mm. you are disloyal or it's a betrayal. And that's something we've got to get rid of. And in the church, you know, Paul, you know, we've quoted this so many times, but Paul says, what do you have to do with judging outsiders? It's those inside the church. Um, and, and, and Paul wasn't promoting an idea of, Hey, go around and be super judgmental against people in your church. That's a, that's an abuse of that and a perversion of that. What he's saying is if you're going to call people to account, you're going to call people to this holiness, to this life that we're called to live, you do it inside the church. Why? Because they're the ones, I mean, that's, that's who you're responsible for. That's who has the power to even be able to deal with that because of the Holy Spirit. But the biggest thing is as Christians, it's because our testimony depends on it. Like this, who we say God is, is reflected in who we are and how we function. And so when we um, condone certain things, when Paul's getting upset, you know, frustrated with the church in Corinth, he's saying you're condoning things that you're painting a false picture of God. Like when we talk about this imagery that we are the image of God, that we are his image bearers, that we are his ambassadors, that Christ, we are the body of Christ. All of these things are images of saying that the world looks at us and then they form a picture of who God is. They, they, they piece that together. And so Paul's concern is the testimony of ultimately what we are saying about God. And so if, um, for example, if everybody in the Christian church loved basketball and that was a hallmark thing you're looking at like I go to church well they love basketball the people are going to start thinking like well God must really love basketball which he does but I'm just <laughs> saying like it you you start to attribute those characteristics so if everybody um in the church is grumpy all the time then outsiders assume that our God must be grumpy 
if everybody in our of our church is kind and gentle, then that will say something to them about who God is. That's why it's so important. It's so important to be a um, a loving, patient critic of your own camp is for the good of that camp. So again, think think about a a football team. If your football team is losing or it's struggling and imagine imagine what the press would read if an assistant coach gets fired and the head coach says yeah he got fired because he told us that you know he told us that we were not running the ball enough and if the reporter was like you're you're oh and six like do you think maybe he has a point no it was disloyal we would all think that was ridiculous we'd say you know maybe listen maybe listen to the person that that you know because he listening to that criticism and being a voice of that criticism again i'm talking about constructive and helpful and kind and patient and humble i'm talking about that kind i'm not talking about the judgmental kind of casting out i'm talking about the kind that says hey i know that we're about this over here but the way we're delivering this or the way we're thinking about this i'm concerned about this that's not that's not disloyal that's helpful that's why it's so critical. Yeah, you're talking about loving, thoughtful, wise correction, which is so different than irritable, cranky complaining. Yes. That, that is not the same thing. And the loving, kind, wise correction is something that I think in our good moments, most of us would say we want because we know that we have not arrived, that there's growth that needs to happen in us. And we're just saying that we need this. Like we need this in the church. And it strikes me too, as you were just describing those camps, it's also, this is also an opportunity to acknowledge the places where we've built identities and right. made them bigger than they need to be yes. and like dislodge ourselves from them. Because really our identity has to be Christ. Right. Our home is him. We abide in him. And these other things, while they're, they can be very good, like it's good to be invested in the nation you live in. That's good. And I think we're called to that. But that can't be our primary identity. Like, it can't be. If it is, we're missing the life that Jesus has for us and the life that we share in common with the family of God who are all over the world. Like, they're, right. they're all over the place. And, uh, yeah, so I, it just strikes me this is an opportunity to also just acknowledge those things that can consume us in a way they just shouldn't. And it, it takes an ability to be a little detached from them to be able to look at them honestly and truly. Right. And to speak into them. And that's that's where it gets so you, you bring up the whole national thing and um yeah, like I don't wanna communicate I I cheer for the US and the Olympics. I I love to watch the I, we're, we're watching the World Cup qualifying, you know, match against Canada and I want them to destroy those maple leafs. Like I was so um I but I and I also and then, you know, less trivial things. I also want to support our military and I want to be thankful for where God has placed me. It's it's become a popular thing to... Um, so here's another piece of this. This is a little scattered, but I think it's really critical in this because you're talking about then how do we be that voice? Well, one of the things about being a voice from within is you have to remain within. Mm-hmm. So one of the ways that we I've seen this happen and I've been guilty of in theological camps um, is I want to distance myself from the camp and then criticize it. 
but then I'm just doing the same thing as criticizing the other camp. Like the question is, um, it'd be like me criticizing the way my family is functioning, but first distancing myself so that I'm not a part of that. I'm not a part yep. of the criticism. I just get to now, lo- I'm just lobbing a grenade from a little closer. And we have to be careful of that. Um, we've seen this happen a lot and I've really struggled with the whole word evangelical. What does mm-hmm. that even mean? I have to fight against the temptation to remove myself from that and then criticize it. If you're going to be a voice of help and correction, then you have to demonstrate like, no, I am with you. I'm, he- I'm here. I'm for you. I am with you. I agree with you. I'm, you know, I'm, I want to see this thrive. Um, again, you take the silly example of the football team. If an assistant coach comes in and says, I'm saying these things because I love this team and I want to see this team succeed. I'm part of this. That's different than a coach who goes before the press and distances himself and says, well, I told them that they should have run the ball more, but they didn't listen to me. That guy gets fired for good reason. But the guy that says it behind closed doors and says like, hey, I, I want us to succeed. I think we need to. I think we need to look at this. I think we need to deal with this. That's that's really critical in in how we go about um, go about having these conversations, and how we kind of deal with it. So much of the things I say on Sunday morning, it's because I'm dealing in house, mm-hmm. and I know sermons get you know passed around. They go online, you know, and <laughs> mine far smaller than most. Like you think about, I I feel badly for the pastors that have national platforms, and their sermons get critiqued from sea to shining sea like every every week and that doesn't happen to me and i am so thankful i'm so thankful for that that i get to feel like no i'm just communicating with our church family and so it's kind of this in-house kind of a thing of saying like look this these are things we need to be aware of and and i want them to see that as a loving as a loving thing but that only happens if i'm part of that if i try to distance myself and say like well the problem with you people well now i'm Yep. I'm the voice from outside again. It's just interesting how, depending on our perspective, a loving critique can be interpreted as disloyal <laughs> or really helpful and gracious. And I think, you know, most of us on most days, there are certain voices that we will allow to do that for right. us, right? And others that we put up a wall. And often it just, just backs up what you were saying. It's the voices that we feel like are outside that we put up a wall to. And mm-hmm. that should tell us something about our own voice trying to go up over the wall right. to outside right. camps. We, we have to be able to speak within because that's where we will be heard. It's like, yeah, that's where we belong. And I think the reason I brought up the national one too, Jay, is people probably know by now, but our family lived in Canada for a few years. And that was a great experience for me in solidifying my home in Christ and Christ alone. Right. Because while I loved living there, there was never a time where I felt like that was home ever. Right. It just wasn't. And I think Good. I thought when I came back that this would feel like home. And now I am an American, but this also in a new way doesn't feel like home. Sure. And I think I've actually really embraced that. And I think in a, in a, in a way it's God's grace to me. And it has allowed me with fresh eyes to come and see. Right. And, and w- from within. And that's why I'm here as I want to be here and within, like you're describing, to help and to be part of what God is doing in this place right now. Because where we live is important. And the place that we find ourselves in is not accidental. It's very intentional in God's plan. 
that he has ambassadors all over the world right in these other places but yeah that, i don't know this is a very thought-provoking um, topic for me i i really have been thinking about it a lot um since you preached on it well, i think you and you point out something really important there is just all you have to do is imagine and consider how do you receive criticism mm -hmm. whose criticism do you um do you value do you actually take into account and i would say all of us are far more likely to listen to people who we know understand what we're trying to do understand what what we actually the depths of what we believe I've read lots of critiques of Christianity and they can be enlightening because of it gives you a perspective like uh, critiques of Christianity from outside of the faith. It can be enlightening because it gives you a picture of like, how do they, how do people outside of the faith view those inside of the faith? But I don't take their criticism, like their constructive criticism. I'm like, well, you know, you know, it would make your faith better if you did this, this and this. I'd be like, yeah, I'm not listening to that. You don't understand. Um, you don't understand what this actually is. You're just looking at it from the outside, looking at it like a philosophy or whatever. In the same way that if you gave me really, you know, heavy handed parenting advice with my kids because of the way you saw them interact one time out on a playground or whatever, I'm not going to receive that very well. But that's very different than when my wife says something to me about a concern about one of my kids because I know that she loves them every bit as much as I do and she's for them and that she wants them you know to prosper um so that's just be mindful of that and know that we do not only do we have that place but we have a responsibility and that's why you know we're talking about why is it so important it's just so critical that we do that because we have a responsibility as Christians placed in these different camps so it's a great point of like Christ is your home Canada was definitely not your home, mm -mm. but even this country is not our permanent home. It's our temporary home, but God places us in these temporary home homes to be light. Mm -hmm. And so what we have to do in each one of those temporary homes is to shine the light of Christ on that, which means because none of those temporary homes are the actual kingdom, um, there's going to be flaws. There's going to be weaknesses. There's going to be sin. And when we point that out in a Christ-honoring way, then we are shining as the lights that we are supposed to be um, in that. So I, I just, I hope that it's, I just don't know, like practically, I, you're so good at taking all these things and then making it actually practical because... Oh, well, prayer is one thing that came to my mind. Yeah. I think this affects prayer life. You summarized what David was saying by saying in the sermon, God, don't let evil destroy us. And that made me think right away of Jesus saying, deliver us from evil. Right. And I guess this, in me, it made me think, who is the us that we have in mind when we pray those things? Mm. And, and clearly it is the people of God. It's the family of God. But then I do think you pointed out, it is also the person right now who doesn't know God. God right. wants him too, her too. And I think that that's part, for me, how it can really transform us and something very practically is, as we pray those things and throughout the whole Lord's prayer, it's all plural. Um, are we praying for the daily bread just for our camp, just for our family, right. or is it broader than that? And I, that's to me, super powerful and transformative as disciples of Jesus. If we're thinking this is broad, this is big daily bread for all of us, for the world, you know, like we're asking God and pleading 
for him to to soften hearts to bring all people to know him um, and to follow him so yeah that was one thing that came to my mind it was just very practically it affects prayer yeah that's so good i and in the, in that wider scope what that makes me think too is not only am i going to pray and pray you know for my own for these places the homes the temporary homes that god has placed me in my my family my like um, political affiliation, my nation, my town, my, um, all these different things. Um, but it also, yeah, it inspires me then to pray for my brothers and sisters who are in those other temporary homes. Mm -hmm. So, um, so as we look at what's going on in Afghanistan, for example, um, I want to pray that God would make me a light in where I am right now, but then I'm also praying for my brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, that they would be a light and that God would build them up and encourage them. Um, if you are from one political party, you want to be communicating, you know, doing these things that we're talking about within your own camp, but also pray for your brothers and sisters that are in the other political party, that they would speak into these things um, that, that are concerning to you about that. Because that they would call out evil. And that would be another way of like inspiring yourself. You need motivation to do this. How do you, how would you want your brothers and sisters to, to function in those other camps? Well, they're wanting the same thing from you. So when you look at like the easy one is the political one, but if you look at the other political party and you say, how can any Christian not speak out against that? It's a, it's a fair point. They should. That's what that sermon's about. But then say, understand that they're asking the same question about you. They're they're hoping that you will say something about the things that you know in in your camp that are not right. Mm -hmm. And um, but again, this is all about one of the things that I think we need to make sure we end with here is um, as far as practical. Like you got to think about what is the goal. Mm -hmm. You have to remind yourself the goal is not to fix all the camps. That's not the goal. The goal is to display the glory of God through a transformed life. So I may speak against evil in my particular camp and it may fall on deaf ears. I may get kicked out. Those things may happen. That doesn't mean I failed. It doesn't mean it was a failure. It means like, like what the goal is that I would glorify God and honor him and be faithful to him. He takes care of the camps. He's the one that determines what rises, what falls, who gets elected, who wins the World Cup qualifying. You know, that would be a fun side conversation mm -hmm. about that. But I we don't we don't we don't get to determine that. Our job is to be faithful and um, to speak and overcome evil with good and to speak truth. Um, and in all these things, as we do them and we are faithful, then God is honored. He is glorified. He is lifted up and we are set aside as the city on a hill as God's people. And that's when we have that unity with our brothers and sisters. So now what you realize is it's not it's not this nation's camp against that nation's camp. As Christians, we are all citizens of this kingdom and we are working within our own nation as Christians while our brothers and sisters are working in their own nation as Christians. And we are the ones who are unified in this purpose of wanting to declare the goodness and greatness of God. And that's super hopeful because God is actually, you said this in the sermon, God is setting all things right. 
right. he's really doing that. Like, yeah, we pray deliver us from evil. He's doing that. He one day all evil will be dealt with yeah. permanently and removed from his good creation. We can be confident in that. And yeah, I mean, our, we all have responsibility now and he's the one that does it. And I think that's such an important point too, about not taking things into our own hands. Yeah. Not you disc- you gave the example of, um, with David and Saul, yeah. like what would you've done? It's not ours to decide that, no. right? We are called to pray and cry out to God for justice and trust that he will do that. He will bring it to pass. I feel like that was, you know, David gets, you know, the whole Goliath thing got him a lot of press for his faithfulness, but not killing Saul is one of the most faithful things you see David do in his entire life uh, because nobody would blame him. Nobody, it's just this, and most of us, I think, would have ranged, you know, and I mentioned also too um, the idea of breaking Paul out of prison. And I had somebody come up to me afterwards and like, I would, I would totally be, you know, be thinking that. And, and I looked at them thinking, I know you would, like you're one of the people that I would think, (laughs) absolutely. You'd be like first in line, like we got to bust him out. And so that's, I want to give hope that being faithful in the small things and being a voice of reason and compassion and, um, Christ honoring love, um, in whatever place, whatever camp God puts you in, it may feel like you're not, you know, accomplishing much. It may feel like it's not moving the ball, but what you have to understand is that you are, um, you are one piece of the puzzle and God is, is shaping all these things and building all of this together to, um, to, he's, he's just putting together this incredible, um, mosaic, this incredible puzzle, this incredible thing, this weaving, this great, whatever he just, my mind is there's a train wreck of illustrations and metaphors in my head, <laughs> but he's weaving it all together for good. And, and so when you, there is great hope in that, that even the smallest act of faithfulness to, um, push back against darkness is beautiful. And in the kingdom, it will be, it will, it's a part of the building blocks that build this kingdom. And that's, that that's encouraging to me because I can start to feel overwhelmed. I can get to a place where I do it. I speak up and then it doesn't go well in an earthly way. And then you can feel like, well, what's the point then? Why do I even, why do I even bother? Hmm. We bother because it's for the Lord and he knows what he's doing with it. And my job is not to orchestrate all those things. He's given me a job to do a post to man. And my calling is to do it and to be there and to be light wherever he planted me. So if there's anyone who doesn't need an armchair quarterback, <laughs> it's him, right? right. He oh, does gosh. not need our help. Yeah. Oh man. The, the ridiculousness of that. But yet how many times that's, have we done that? That's like, well, human pride. Do, yeah. Yeah. It's the, yeah. It knows no bounds that we would even say to God, I think I have a better way of doing this, but mm-hmm. it doesn't. So, well, I think that's good. I don't know. Thanks I don't, Jay. Hopefully it's helpful, but, um, well, at least the yeah. intro was. I mean, very if least. nothing else, you know, don't feed your dogs grapes <laughs> and clean up that dental floss if you have cats. That's uh, those are the those are the big lessons of the day. But I hope, um, as always, we hope it's been helpful and encouraging. Just to kind of um, eavesdrop in on this conversation, we'd love for you to be a part of it. So make sure you give us uh, your questions um, about the sermon or about anything. 
and uh, we're really looking forward to this fall make sure you're keeping an eye out for as we start our new series on september 26th uh, basics where we're gonna really just put push all in with our people making disciples who make disciples who make disciples and we want to surround that series with um with help and encouragement and resources and uh, this podcast will be one of those things so um please let us know especially then but now if you have any questions at all we would love to work that into the podcast and so until next time grace and peace to you all Thank you.